Welcome to What I Wish I Knew by Dental Head Start, your weekly mentoring session thanks to cpdjunkie.com.au. This one's a real life advice piece. Don't die wondering, ask. Dr. Mark Hassard is with us today and he's talking about when you're discussing a treatment plan with a patient, don't cut off the options that this patient can have. Ask if they want that extra type of treatment or that that next level that you might shy away from thinking that they won't want it. Dr. Mark Hassard is an expert at this type of communication, case acceptance and, and treatment planning. He's someone who runs courses on this, both live and online, um, and someone who's been talking about this kind of stuff for many, many years. Follow his blog at therelaxeddentist.com or find his courses there as well. And if you know the name, that's because he was the first guest on the Dental Head Start podcast. So, I'm really excited to bring him back on and do a couple of What I Wish I Knew segments. Mark kicks his podcast off with a story about a patient who was perhaps never asked before. After I sold my practice, I started doing a bit of locum work around Australia just to sort of keep myself busy. And I can recall I was at a practice interstate and a patient came in and, uh, of course, he didn't know me from a bar of soap. I just stepped off the plane and uh, I didn't know him. But I always ask, I always wonder, you know, just give the patient the opportunity to select the best treatment. So this patient had pretty devastated teeth. I mean, they had a lot of broken teeth, they had missing teeth. Uh, they were obviously a grinder, so they kept chipping things. It was just a pretty sort of much destroyed dentition. So really, what were the options? Well, we can either just keep going and patch and patch and patch, or we can totally rebuild the mouth. Now, because I never die wondering, or at least... <laughs> I used to at the start of my career, I'd die wondering, but because now I never die wondering, I just gave the patient the option. So I said to the patient, what's going on in your mouth is you've lost a lot of teeth and that means you're putting more strain on the ones you've got. And so that's why they're breaking and chipping and falling apart. So really, we've got two choices here. One is we can just keep going, we can keep patching, we can keep fixing things up. Now, the good thing with that, it's minimal cost, minimal treatment. But the bad thing is your teeth are on a downward path. And you're going to sort of get emergencies, you're going to over time lose more teeth. So your teeth are definitely on a downward path if we go in that direction. The other option is we can totally rebuild your mouth. Now, we're going to have to put some implants in. We're going to have to do crowns on teeth. We're going to do some veneers. We're going to have to put back all the missing teeth. And I haven't worked it out exactly, but ballpark, it's going to cost you about $50,000. Is that something you'd consider or is that just out of the question? And the patient just sort of sat there for a moment. And he thought, and he thought, he said, no, I think I'd like to do that. Now, isn't it interesting, just because I didn't want to die wondering, like I just gave him the, the choice there, whereas early in my career when I was just a new graduate, I'd sit there paralysed with fear when I saw a case like that. Oh, my goodness, you know, if I tell this patient what they need, all of a sudden they're going to hate me and they're going to walk out the door and they're not wanting to pay their bill and they're going to be nasty to me and all this sort of stuff. And I had all these fears that you build up in your own mind. So that's really my point is about not dying wondering. Now, not dying wondering, the key thing with it is, 
if you say to a patient like that, you must have this and you have to have that and, you you know, we really need to do this, you come off as pushy, as arrogant, as, as sort of trying to force them to go in a way they don't want to go. But my point is nobody is ever offended by being offered choice. Who could be offended by being offered choice? So, David, if you had a medical condition, heaven forbid, and you went to your doctor and your doctor just said very calmly and very rationally, okay, David, you've got two choices. We can handle it in this way, and here's the pros and cons and the cost, or we can handle it in this way, and here are the pros and cons and the cost. What would you like to do? Are you going to storm out of the room and say, oh, my goodness, he offered me a choice. I hate it. You know, like, it's ridiculous. But dentists, we so get paralysed with fear. Oh, I can't tell the patient what they need. It's, it's really the opposite situation. In fact, I would be offended and disappointed if I didn't get the choice. And I think it's easy to forget that. I guess this comes back to um, something we, we don't want to do, but it's hard not to, is making judgments of patients. Could you comment on that, I guess? And is that kind of the thing that you were able to separate away from doing? Yeah, well, my last practice was in quite an affluent area. It had the second highest median house price in Melbourne. So, quite quite an affluent area. And so, I had a lot of affluent patients, but then equally I had patients who, who struggled. And, and I can just think of two iconic patients. One of them turned up in a brand new Mercedes S-Class that you'd just taken delivery of, you know, an S350 or whatever. You know, like we're talking 300 grand on wheels, right? So just taking delivery, he'd broken a tooth, he walks in, I give him the option of, of having a crown. He goes, ah, no, I would never spend that on a tooth, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> just patch it up, right? And this is a guy who's just driven his, his car out of the dealership and at the moment he drove it out of the dealership, he's lost $80,000 in depreciation. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and yet he won't spend $2,000 to fix a tooth so it's going to last the next 20 years, right? And then the so that's one iconic type of patient, and the other iconic type of patient was was a lady who turned up and she had terrible teeth, and she came up in an old bomby, drove up in an old bomby Toyota, you know, not a good car at all, like just a real old. Anyway, I just I, I don't judge, you know, so I just looked at her teeth, gave her the option where well, we can keep patching or we can fix things up properly. She says, I want to fix things up properly. I've had bad teeth all my life and now I want to get them fixed. And I said, fine. Now, now it ended up her teeth were worth more than her car, you know. <laughs> but that was what she wanted. That was her value and that was what she wanted to spend money on. So the thing is just never die wondering. Like I could have assumed that she couldn't afford anything and just sort of, oh, well, we'll just patch this up and patch that up and we'll keep you going and don't worry about it. But if you don't make that assumption, it just, I kept getting surprised over and over people accepting treatment that I didn't expect them to accept. And also occasionally, like the reverse situation, the guy in the Mercedes, it happens the other way around. But it's not up to you to judge. You just keep offering the option, offering the option, never die wondering. I think that's it's a fantastic analogy. In fact, I know people who, where their mountain bikes cost more than their car. Um, <laughs> and so, it's all about priorities. It's all about personal priorities. And, you know, that's not up to us to judge. 
We come out of uni and we're so eager to learn all these complex topics, but what we really need to do is to be able to communicate well and do the restorative basics really, really well. The course by Rope Global Restoration Fundamentals is clearly made for this. This is a course with 10 different speakers. It's delivered virtually on demand and part of their premium member service. You can buy it on its own or get it as a member. With 10 different speakers talking about anterior, posterior, preps, solving problems, this is the course to really take your restorations to the next level. Find out more details in the show notes and get 30% off with the Dental Head Start discount code. When you're talking about this, uh, you mentioned it's about the way you phrase these things. It's it's really important that you're not pushy. Um, did you want to expand a little bit on that and some of the mistakes you see people um, make with their language there and some of the recommendations? Yeah. Almost a paradox of this is the more you try and push people in a certain direction, the more they resist you. If I say to you, oh, David, we really should do this, we must, you know, and I really try and push you in a direction, they're going to push back and fight and resist. The more you sort of just roll over and say, well, David, here are your choices. You know, there's this, there's this. What do you want? You know, the the more you just sort of relax and, and just chill and take yourself out of the equation and take what you're trying to push or desires out of the equation, just let them make a decision, the more likely they are to pick the good dentistry. And I was just constantly, dentists think that the way to get people to accept is to push them in a direction, but I almost think just just give them the options, the pros and cons, the cost, and then let them make the choice, and that, that will produce the best outcome. And also, the pushier you get the more people you'll drive from your practice. Um, I see dentists who are, who are quite pushy and aggressive with their sales and they're losing patients out the back door. Now, sure, they get a few sales, so they'll get a few people to complete a case, but they're also constantly losing patients out the back door of their practice. And the thing with my practice is I always wanted to keep them in the practice. Like the fact that they said no and just said patch it up this time doesn't mean that they're going to say no and just patch it up next time. Like so many people, that first time they'd break a tooth, they'd say, oh, no, we'll just patch it up, and you patch it up as best you can. And then next time they'd come along, um, the same situation, you'd say, and they say, all right, yep, I know, let's do the crown. <laughs> and so they're good people, but if you get too pushy, too forward, you'll drive them out of the practice, and that is a huge disaster. Absolutely. It's, it comes back to, you know, retaining your patients, but also, you know, word of mouth referrals. You're going to get negative referrals if people are pushed away. Mm. I saw just yesterday, I had a consultation with a patient. Poor lady, she was really um, quite rattled because she'd seen a new dentist after her 30-year dentist retired um, and was told she needed a whole bunch of work. Now, I can understand where the dentist was coming from from their recommendation, but I think she had options and she just wanted to know her options and understand it a bit better. She was driven away from that practice instantly with that pushy technique because she wasn't given the option. She was pushed a little bit too hard. Um, you raise some fantastic points. Um, if we ask, you know, the patient can make the decision. I think you mentioned something really important, which is it doesn't matter to you what they say. Um, it, it's up to them. That's taking the stress off yourself with this approach um, is what I've found to be really effective as well. Do you remember the transition for you or is there any comments you wanted to make around taking pressure off yourself? 
Yeah, well, when you first start presenting significant treatment in terms of crowns and whatever that people need, there is a lot of stress involved in it in that we're mainly, as dentists, we're mainly introverts. You know, we, we sort of, we, we shy away from rejection. We run from any situation that people <laughs> could say something mean about us. So we're mainly introverts. And so the first time you say to a patient, oh, well, to fix your teeth properly, it's going to be $4,852, it, it hurts, you know, like it, it, it hits us right in the chest. But the thing is, it only hurts the first 200 times. So, <laughs> so, so, so you just got to force yourself to get over that. Um, one other sort of iconic story on, the, on this particular topic that I've got and this was another one where I was visiting a practice interstate, not, not in Melbourne where I'm from, but visiting a practice interstate. And again, I, I was just looking around the area before sussing things out. And this was again an affluent area, like a one bedroom flat was a million dollars and you know there's Mercedes and BMWs going in all directions. So I knew it was an affluent area. And I'm sitting in the, uh, in the operatory with this dentist, just sort of watching him work with patients. And the, a patient came in who'd had a history of always picking the patch option. You know, they'd always broken a tooth, had it patched up, broken patch, all down their chart. So eventually they the get to the end and the, the dentist looks at another broken tooth. He says, oh, well, I guess we can patch that one up. I'll, I'll make a time for you next week. And I thought to myself, I just wonder whether this patient would accept good treatment. And so as the patient stood up, I said, um, tell me, um, I couldn't help noticing as I was looking over, I'll call this guy John, as I was looking over John's shoulder, um, you've got a few teeth that are pretty weak. And of course, you've got that one that that's broken. Um, really, you've got two choices there. I mean, you can keep going with just patching them up. Or there are these other things called crowns, which are just covers over the top that hold teeth together and make them strong. And like I said, as I was looking over John's shoulder, I think you've got six teeth that need those. Um, is that something you'd consider or is that out of the question? And he replied and he only said one word. He said, fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's do it, you know. Yeah. I've been so, meaning to for years, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so in that simple little thing that took as long as it took to tell the story, I just sold a $10,800 case, you know, the crowns were $1,800 each. And, um, uh, you know, and it was all just by I didn't die wondering, I just asked the question. Um, and as long as you ask it in a way where you just sort of a gentle and not pushy with it, you don't lose people out of the practice. Uh, and and people, dentists, young dentists wouldn't would be amazed at how they could revolutionise their practice of dentistry just by giving patients the choice. You know, letting them make a decision. Yeah, it's it's fantastic advice. I could listen to that all day. I completely resonate with what you're saying. Um, if people out there want to know more, Dr. Mark Hassard uh, runs the Relaxed Dentist, a blog I've been listening and reading for well, five years now, um, but some online content, online courses on case acceptance and other things. Um, thank you so much for your time, Mark, on the Dental Head Start podcast. Good. Thank you, David. Cheers. All right, OrthoEd segment nine. This time I'm going to talk a little bit about the things I've experienced in my first few weeks with aligners and perhaps some of the things um, that are pretty frustrating for your patient, things you might want to warn them about or things that you might want to try to uh, foresee before you give them aligners so that 
they can have a better experience. Now, if you want to learn about aligners and orthodontics, OrthoEd is just about to release their 2022 mini masters series. So, if you want to get 10% off, check out dentalheadstart.com slash orthoed and there's discount codes for our listeners. So, um, you can maybe even hear you. I'm wearing the aligners now. My speech is all pretty comfortable and pretty good now, but there is still a little bit of a lisp and that's something that I think... Um, you get used to, but it, it is something that's relevant for patients to know. Something I found really interesting was I'm a Bruxer and I always have been and I've worn a splint for maybe 15 years or so, but after having the tooth out and then aligners in, I had something between my teeth, but the, it was all completely different and I was grinding more than I ever have in my entire life. And to be honest, it was actually quite uncomfortable. My jaw was sore. Um, it was generally not a comfortable situation for a couple of weeks because of my bruxing. And so, you definitely want to you know, talk to your patients, warn your patients about that. It has got better, but I'm definitely still grinding in a way that's um, different and my jaw doesn't feel as relaxed as it used to with my uh, splint. So, I'm you know, kind of looking forward to one day in the future having a, a flat plane splint again. So, also, if you've had aligners, you'll know all about getting them out. And if you give patients aligners, you would have known this, but getting them out can be a bit tricky. Um, as people learn pretty early on, pop your finger on the inside and pull it down because there's usually no attachment on the inside. So, if you pop your finger in and pull it down from the inside, it'll pull it off the back attachments and then you can basically peel it off from all the way around. Um, it's a little tip, but it's like pretty useful for most patients. Now, I've found for my lower aligner, because I have some pretty big attachments, I've found that I need to get under it and pop it up. And that was also more comfortable because I had the tooth out. Um, I wasn't um, pulling on the attachment as much. I was lifting it off the attachment and then out. So, I guess everyone's different, but those little tips really help your patients at the start. I had a patient once who... Um, bent her aligner a few times in the same spot. And I'm not really sure exactly what she was doing, but um, I suspect popping it in and then maybe biting on it or, or just pressing on it when it wasn't quite in the right place. And she'd bent it in um, and it was affecting her over about three different aligners. I really found it hard to explain this, but then myself pulling out my own aligner, if you're looking at the video on YouTube, or our website, um, I'd pull it out from underneath uh, my lower incisors and I'd bent it with one of mine. So, it seems that the aligner material, there's like a critical threshold, I guess, that if you push too hard, it'll bend and it plastically deforms. So, um, that's definitely something to warn your patients about. I find pulling it in and out, you can't really do anything wrong, but um, putting pressure on just one little point can damage the aligner. So, that's something for them to think about. Um, everyone knows if you're wearing aligners, you have to change your diet and <laughs> it's really annoying. So, 22 hours a day. Um, turns out I like to eat and graze more than, 20, uh, more than two hours a day. So, it, it's pretty frustrating to have to um, avoid eating at the other times. And I'm not going to lie, I certainly have um, cheated a bunch of times. Um, I usually sip on coffee all morning and uh, I have continued a little bit, but I learned pretty quickly that teeth stain really quick with aligners in. 
So, I think that's pretty important to warn your patients. If you're going to cheat, um, you're going to get stained teeth um, and obviously risk of decay and other periodontal issues and things. Um, but I, I found it was enough to actually do some whitening um, just to, to kind of even things back out. So, um, less cheating going on, but still, it's, it's a pretty hard thing to do. Um, the other thing that many people know about if you've had aligners or see patients with aligners is um, they have to remove them and then you end up in like a public place. You've already sat down and then you have to go to the bathroom or, or remove them in public. It's definitely a thing to get used to and something to mention to your patients as well. I've found that pretty frustrating. And then if you've removed them, where do you put them? If you wrap them in a tissue put them on the table, <laughs> someone could throw it away. And so, carrying that little box that they give you, you know, it makes sense. They've thought about things um, and having the box is useful, but do you really carry it? Um, I know I don't. So, it is an interesting um, challenge. The last thing I'll mention that I've experienced is, um, you know, using the chewies. I remember someone telling me to suggest to use the chewies in the car and I found that really useful. So, um, I forget otherwise, but if I'm in the car, I hop in, it makes me think about it and then I'll use the chewy a little bit. Um, and that's definitely something I tell my patients. And I learned that like habit stacking, you know, like connect your what you're doing, the new habit to something else. Um, I actually learned that from a book, Atomic Habits by James Clear. It's a great book if you haven't read it. So, that's my monologue about what I've experienced and what I'm learning with actually wearing aligners myself. Um, I'm excited to start seeing my teeth move. I'm closing the space slowly. I, I do think maybe one of the attachments isn't perfect, so I might be replacing that attachment. Um, and I'll talk more about that in future episodes. But if you want to learn more about aligners... Um, check out OrthoEd. As I said, there are some codes if you want to get a discount. That's on their whole range of stuff. They even have online aligner content as well. But I hope you're getting something from this. If you've never worn aligners, um, you know, learn firsthand what I'm experiencing. And yeah, reach out, ask questions or give us some tips if there's anything you think I'm missing. Thank you so much for listening to the Dental Head Start podcast. I genuinely hope this is helping you become a better dentist. So, if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe on your podcast player and I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to social media and share something that you've appreciated from us with one of your friends. That's how the word gets out. That's how more people gain and benefit from what we're doing. And if you're a dental student or a graduate and you want to get a head start, go to dentalheadstart.com to find everything we're doing to help dental students become great dentists.